Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today we welcome in A's outfielder Matt Joyce, who discusses his strong second half of last season, his slow start this year, and his diligent preparations before games. Then reliever Danny Coulomb talks to us about his hacky sack and ping pong prowess. And finally, on Shea Plus, John Shea and I talk about the A's terrific road trip, their current injury issues, their numerous all-star candidates, and how Robinson Cano's suspension might wind up affecting the division. All on A's Plus. Welcome A's outfielder Matt Joyce to A's Plus podcast today. Matt is in his second season with the A's. Matt, last year you had an unusual year. You got off to a slow start, which is not unusual with a new team. Um, But you really came on strong in the second half. How how were you able to do that? What was sort of your approach last year? Uh, I think it's just a mindset. I think everything begins with a mindset. Um, I think you have to have uh, stay positive. I mean, it's number one. You have to stay positive. I mean, this game is... Um, surrounded by failure. I mean, you know, you look at the best hitters in the world and they fail seven out of ten times. Um, so I think for me, I, I try to focus as much as I can on the process and showing up to work, putting in the work, um, you know, going through your routine and then trying to make the adjustments. Um, it's a game of adjustments and, and baseball, um, you know, rewards those, those guys that are able to make the adjustments. So obviously right now, you know, I mean, I haven't had the start that I wanted to, uh, to this year, and, and um, you know, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. It's 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 an extremely difficult game. It's an extremely challenging uh, game, and, and it's just one of those things that, for me, I feel like you have to use that failure as as kind of like fire, uh, fuel to the fire, and and um, and then just keep going, keep showing up, and keep working. You uh, are known for having really good at bats, and I know you've always done that. You're a guy who's always had good on-base percentage. You walk a lot. How do you do that? What do you do? You look for things like when you're looking at video. Is it a matter of getting your work in in the cage? Do you try to pick up different things um, throughout the game that you see from the opposing pitcher? What's the most important key to having a really good at bat? I, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it all starts with uh, preparation. Um, that was a really good quote. That goes, uh, you prepare to fail, or you failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So uh, for me, I start with the preparation. Uh, what's my approach? What does this guy throw? How does he attack hitters like me? Um, what am I looking for? What are my strengths? What do I hit well? And then from there, I'm, I'm looking for a particular pitch uh, in a particular count. And um, until I get to two strikes, then uh, from there, I got to kind of battle. Um, but it all starts with your approach and your mindset and, and uh, what you're looking for and what you're trying to hit. You know, I mean, everybody's a little bit different. Their strengths are a little bit different. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of my take and, and how I uh, approach things. You were uh, leading off quite a bit early on, and I know that's not necessarily the, the thing you like doing the best. Do you like to be able to see a pitcher, especially at the start of a game, um, throw some pitches maybe to somebody else first? Is that helpful, or what is it about about leading off that um, that maybe isn't your favorite thing? Yeah, I just don't know if I'm your prototypical leadoff hitter. You know what I mean? I mean, as much as I would love to be uh, and, and love to be really fast and, and you know steal a couple bases here and there, I just think... Um, I think I'm more suited for, uh, you know, 
two, three, four, five. I mean, you know, pretty much anywhere else in the lineup. Obviously, I get on base a lot, which they love, and um, and that was a big reason why they had me lead off. And and I was, I felt like I was doing the role pretty well. Um, obviously, uh, you know, like I said, I wasn't stealing a lot of bases, and, and I feel like Simeon, um, you know, can add that uh, to to our game and and. Uh, him leading off, getting on base, maybe stealing a base, making things happen. Um, you know, for me, I I am more of favor. Um, but at the same time, you know, I told Bowman, whatever you guys want, I mean, whatever you need from me, I mean, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to put the work in, and, and, and I'm going to give you my best at bat and, and try to help us win a ball game however I can. Last year you had your best year ever from a power standpoint. What was, um, and you really came on strong in the second half, what was the difference there, do you think? I think a lot of it was uh, a couple things. Um, so everything it starts with the mindset, being positive, you know, showing up, keep working. Uh, uh, Bushy, our, our Darren Bush, our, our hitting coach, was was great. Um, you know, he gave me a couple things uh, to work with. We did some uh, net drills that uh, obviously I, Cano used to do uh, with the Yankees when he was with the Yankees. That helped him a lot, uh, pulling the ball the right way with backspin and. Um, uh, approaching the ball and, and approaching in the zone, the, the contact point, the, the correct way. Um, you know, drilling that in, doing the muscle memory for that really helped me. Um, and then from there, watching guys like KD being in the gym, you know, every other day and, and lifting every day, other day, and just seeing, you know, what he's able to do on the field uh, really kind of uh, helped me uh, push myself and, and uh, you know, get in the gym a little bit more, work out. You know, and and kind of have that strength to to drive the ball like uh, like I wanted. Yeah, because getting stronger during the course of the season is actually hard to do. Usually, it's guys sort of, you know, you lose a little bit of muscle over the course of such a long season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, especially as you get older, it. Um, you know, I mean, we go every day. It hurts. <laughs> you know, there's there's no getting around the the soreness, uh, and sometimes you know the 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 pain. Sometimes you got to pay play through pain, and you just gotta have to uh, learn how to manage your body. So I, I spend a lot of time really taking care of myself. Um, you know, the ice baths, the, the hot showers, the stretching at night. Um, it's a full-time job, it really is. Um, and it never it never stops, but you know, I think you just, you have to do it. You have to be obsessed with, the, with that work and with the, with the success that, that you want. And um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a frustrating game, but um, very fortunate, very lucky to be able to do something we love to do, so make the most of it. Now, you moved from right field last year to you're mostly in left this year. How has that adjustment been? Is it, is it much of one? Obviously, you've played all, all over the outfield in your career. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I don't mind it much. Um, I actually, it's weird because I played right field, high school, college, all the way through the minors, and my first major league game was in left field. So that one was really uncomfortable, um, but I've done it over the years now that it's just it's just getting the reps, getting uh, in batting practice, getting in the game, seeing the ball off the bat, getting the jumps, um, and then feeling uh, more comfortable. But uh, I feel like right now I feel comfortable in any position, and um, you know, I mean, like I said, whatever whatever helps the team win and, and whatever position uh, you need to play to to help the team win is that's what it's all about. How helpful is it to have sort of a right fielder's arm while in left field? There have been a couple times this year it, it, it has almost looked like opposing base runners have kind of forgotten about the, the kind of arm you have. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not 23 anymore. I don't have the, the same arm that I used to. and um, But I feel fine. You know, I mean, I'm able to, to throw people out if, if um, you know, we get the good opportunity to. Um, so I think, you know, having, having that 
um, is, is definitely a game changer. I think it helps us pre uh, prevent, you know, some more runs getting on the board and, and um, picked up a couple outs along the way. And, um, you know, little things like that add up. They add up over the course of a game, over the course of a season. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, you just try to be out there and do the best job you can. Now, you've been such a stand-up guy since you've been here. I think last year we all really learned that you had the unfortunate incident in Anaheim. And then afterwards, you you, um, you talked to the media, and your apology was so sincere when you had some words with a fan. Um, what was that experience like for you? I know it was tough, but you handled it really so well. Yeah, it was heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. You know, I mean, you put your, your whole heart and, and um, everything you have into this game and, and to showing up to work and uh, you know I mean this is this is my job but it's also my passions my love um, and you're gonna fail it's very frustrating so you know when when you're kind of put in a predicament where you fail over and over and over and then people are constantly yelling stuff at you I mean I don't think people realize um, how much stuff you really hear uh, as a baseball player um, and especially on the road, it's just, it's every day. It's every day, especially in the outfield, you're just getting crushed. Uh, so it really was an unfortunate incident. Um, you know, I, I had the guy fire at me and I just kind of fired back. And sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment, you don't really think about what you're saying. And, and um, you know, I mean, I regret it. I regret it uh, a lot. And, and fortunately, I think um, most people kind of understood. Most people have been angry at, at some point or another, whether it be, somebody cutting them off in, in traffic or, or um, you know, yelling something at them that they didn't appreciate. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things now I can't really change, so I just try to learn from it. Um, and, uh, and, and that's it. It's a lesson. It's a life lesson. Yeah, you guys in the outfield, I, I don't think people really understand how often fans kind of cross lines, too, with what they say. I mean, oh, I, yeah, no you doubt. hear it, K KD, obviously, Chris Davis, obviously, hears some stuff that is um, real, particularly nasty. I don't think people know that. Unless maybe you're sitting out in the, the bleachers, you might not realize what people are saying. Yeah, especially nowadays where everything's accessible on the Internet. You know, I mean, they have all the information about me, my wife, my family, and, and you hear it. You know, and it's, it's kind of, it's, um, it's scary really what is what it is it's scary and, and um, you know there's so much information out there nowadays that you know you just never know what somebody's gonna take and, and do with it yeah that's frightening now this year um, I know you're not off quite to the start that you would want but this team has been showing signs that um, first of all of improving over the course of the year but uh, a lot of resilience kind of bouncing back late in games what do you what are you seeing from this team right now you know, honestly, I this is I have more fun with these group of guys than I've had with any other team, and and you know, obviously, I haven't had the start and haven't had the year that I wanted, um, but the the fact that I get to show up and play with these guys, and and um, you know, the the caliber of of people and and men uh, that that are part of this team is is second to none. Um, so in that regard. I, I'm having the time of my life, um, you know, and, and to be able to have uh, the talent that we have, the young talent that we have, um, like you said, the resilience that we have, the, the guys that show up day in, day out, grind it out, grind out the at-bats, never really give up is, is, it makes it even more fun, makes it even more enjoyable, you know, winning's fun. Um, and uh, you just kind of, you know, you try to enjoy it as much as possible. You try to find the little ways to win. Uh, you, you focus on on your job and what you have to do and, and 
Um, how, how can you help the team win that day? So for me now, it's just about, you know, trying to make the adjustments, trying to get a little bit better to, to, to figure out a way to help these guys um, win more ball games. And that's, that's it. It's the name of the game. Given the, the young talent you guys have and the, the direction you've sort of been going in, what do you see as the future of this team this year and then maybe even going beyond this year? Yeah, I think it's a really exciting team for the A's, um, or, or time for the A's, team and time. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of talks about getting a new ballpark. I think you have a lot of young talent. I think we're, we're really turning the corner as an organization. Um, uh, like I said, a great group of guys, um, you know, they put the work in, they, they understand what it takes to win. And um, so now it's just, you know, just keep, stay on that path, keep working, keep going through the, the grind and the process. And, and um, you know, as fans, you just sit back, watch and enjoy, you know, it'll, it's, it'll be a fun, uh, fun next uh, decade for the A's. Matt Joyce, thanks so much for joining us today on Ace Plus. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We've reached the Player's Choice segment of A's Plus, and we are welcome, welcoming in A's reliever Danny Coulomb. Um, Danny, one thing I know about you is you sort of, you're one of the ringleaders of the Hacky Sack reliever group. How did that all start, the Hacky Sack uh, kind of pregame routine? Yeah, actually last year um, I was riding to the field with Dole one day, and uh, he had a Hacky Sack in his car, and I was like, dude, why don't you just bring that out to, um, and we'll play it one day. So me and him and like two other people played one day, and all of a sudden it kind of turned into something that we did every single day. And uh, you know, our Josh Cuffy loves it because it just you know it gets us out and moving around and uh, warms us up. So yeah. yeah, it's like you kind of see some teams with soccer balls, or you know, hockey teams are big at warming up with soccer balls. It's sort of a similar thing. You know, the, the season's so long, you can get so repetitive with the running and the um, you know, so it's just something else to do to kind of get your mind off baseball uh, and just compete in something. And uh, you know, we don't really play games with it, but we just you know we try to see how many times we can hit it in the air and it's fun Who, who's the best at it me yeah hatcher's really good though uh, hatcher's good uh trinan's getting better um <laughs> dole's good cuffy's good so yeah i mean everybody's pretty good no. and what other things do you like to compete in uh, i love ping pong um honestly anything video games uh, i just you know i think all of us here kind of have that um sense of liking to compete we wouldn't be here if we didn't so yeah just really anything so you're a pretty good ping pong player tell me more about that yeah, um, I played. Uh, I played a lot growing up. My best friend was a tennis player, so we we'd play all the time. And um, actually, racket sports run in my family. My my mom was a state champion in badminton, and my dad was could have played, played professional racquetball. Um, so I probably should have picked up a racket and played a, played a racket sport growing up. Um, but it shows baseball instead. Do you play everything lefty? Everything is left-handed. Yep. Crazy. Now, you were mentioning to me that you and Blake um, might team up for a ping pong event. Yeah, so last year, I know, I know Kershaw always runs a Kershaw challenge. It's a ping pong doubles tournament. Every team uh, enters a team. I think two years ago it was Kendall and KD that played. Um, but we were going to play this year. He didn't have it this year because it's the short and spring training and everything. Um, but yeah, we were going to we were gonna play, so he came over to my house and we, we played a few times. So I asked him how that went. Okay, yeah. that sounds good. Now, we, you mentioned your family. Um, while we were in Toronto, one of the Canadian writers told me an amazing, fun Canadian fact about you, though obviously you're American. Share with the listeners uh, your crazy Canada connection. Yeah, so my dad is uh, full-blood French, and uh, it's actually more French-Canadian. And um, so on his mom's side, so my grandmother, um, 
well, she's the descendants of the people who actually wrote O Canada. So I probably should know the words to that song. Should, have you learned them yet? I haven't. I haven't. I want to learn the French version. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, yeah, you should, with your name especially. Exactly. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. No problem. It's time to welcome John Shea to the A's Plus podcast for the Shea Plus segment. Uh, John, it was a very interesting road trip for the Oakland A's going 7-3. and three. You could argue they would have gone 8-2 and two if it were not for a terrible reversed call on replay at Yankee Stadium. Uh, but really a, an outstanding trip, especially finishing up with a four-game sweep in Toronto, something the A's had never done. Uh, they played 17 previous four-game series in Toronto and had never pulled off a sweep before. So um, really impressive. What, what did you think of the A's uh, week, week and a half away from the Bay Area? Week and a half. It seemed like a, a month. <laughs> I mean, they've been gone forever. And, and, and what a trip. Seven and three. Uh, you know, they, they finished the trip three games above 500 for the first time this year. And, uh, you know, the, after the awful start, what were they, five and ten? They're 20 and 12 in their last 32 games. And, you know, that's one of the top, you know, four or five records in baseball since since mid-April, since April 15th. What's that tax day? So so uh, so suddenly our our A's who, you know, last place year after year after year, you know, since that breakout year in 2014 and then they got rid of everybody. You know, suddenly these young guys are, are doing it. The bullpen is is deep and especially uh, the eighth and ninth inning guys and. Uh, they're hitting home runs every day. They're just smacking the ball around the park and they're beating up on teams that you would think would have beaten up on them. I mean, these are the, the Red Sox and the Yankees, you know, Toronto isn't, isn't great, but, uh, you know, always a struggle in Toronto for the A's and, and, uh, Bob Melvin's boys kind of came out of it in, in amazing fashion. So it's, it's, uh, it's great to see, you know, because, you know, for a team that's finished last three straight years, you know, suddenly, you know, all Billy Bean's trades and the guys they brought up and, you know, the, the older guys like uh, Jed Lowry, uh, you know, the, the veteran influence on the, the young folks, including, you know, the corner infielders, uh, Chapman and Olsen. It just, it just seems to be coming, you know, all, all you know, everything's coming together and, uh, you know, for Bob Melvin, who, uh, you know, who's who's been at this, you know, high and low, he showed up and he had a bad team and he turned them into a playoff team. Then all of a sudden the A's trying to reinvent themselves in three straight last place finishes. And now it's it's, uh, you know, it's glory time. It's 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 kind of, uh, you know, I'm not saying they're playoff bound, especially in this division. They have two teams in front of them who are quite good. But, uh, you know, Robinson Cano's out of the picture. uh for, for long term. So who, who knows? I mean, they, they might put a challenge on these two front running teams. Yeah. And the, the thing that's really impressive about, especially about the series in Toronto was losing two starting pitchers early. Uh, and it, the bullpen fills in with 14 and two thirds innings of work in those two games. Uh, they lose Chris Davis in the, the finale. Um, so they're going to have a tough row because they're, you know, they've, they're down two starters. They're going to have to, to dip down into the minor leagues. Graveman and Gossett look very likely. Uh, and um, Chris Davis, you know, groin strains, 
I don't know that I've ever I ever recall a groin strain that did not involve a DL stint, um, and sometimes quite lengthy. What do you make of first of all of the A's resilience, especially with losing starters so early in games, uh, but then right. also what they might be facing with some of these injuries? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Do you remember a groin strain on a swing? I've never seen one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you usually see obliques, right? I mean, hard. that's what you get with a with a check swing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris Chris Davis. I mean, nobody swings swings a bat harder than this guy does. I mean, he's uh, he, he's a free swinger and he's a he's a big time swinger. And uh, I, I guess you know every every uh, body part uh, is uh, susceptible. You know, when he swings the bat, but. Yeah, he might be out a little bit. That's unfortunate because uh, you know he's he's on target for another one of those big time forty home runs, you know, hundred RBI seasons in the middle of that lineup as a cleanup guy, and uh, you know, allowing the younger guys around him, uh, you know, to to pick up the pieces. But yeah, you know, while not a big on base guy and not high average guy, you know, he's always the leader in home runs. And that says a lot for a team that, you know, you know, last year they hit a ton of home runs. Bob Melvin talked about trying to manufacture more runs. I'm not sure if that's happening this year, but, you know, I, I think, you know, with, with Lowry hitting the doubles and, you know, the corner infielders, you know, they're kind of hit and miss. They've been up and down. Um, but they, they've, they've got a lot of guys who, you know, especially now, <clears throat> um, you know, with with uh, with, with the additions, uh, I, I just think they're they're more well rounded as as an offense, and I think that kind of helps. Um, uh, you know, with, with the issues with, with the rotation uh, and the fact that they're going to give up some runs, and uh, the starting pitchers are not going to go deep into games. You know, we have Manaya Mengden on Sunday. But uh, you know, early in the Toronto series, I mean, and, and it, it just seems like the bullpen is being overworked, and I think that's going to be an issue. But, uh, you know, the back-end guys have, have been dynamite, but, you know, can they, can they keep that up? Because it seems like they're working every night. Uh, it, it just seems the, the fate of the season is, is going to come down to the rotation and, and how deep, you know, they're going to get on, on a daily basis. You know, you know, Mike Silic is a great stat guy, the A's PR man, long, you know, long, long um, uh, you know, been in the business forever. But, you know, I, I was just checking some of his numbers. and I, I love these numbers. I came up with three numbers that I that I really like that he that he put out on his daily notes. And, you know, that that's the fact that, uh, uh, you know, one thing, the, the, the second best uh, in the American League in uh, uh, save opportunities, a percentage of 733. And, and you know, in recent years, we've we just seen so many blown saves and so many opportunities lost late in games. But there are 11 out of 15 in save opportunities, which I thought was pretty pretty good for this team. Um, and not a whole lot of save opportunities, but but when they when they have them, they capitalize. And they, they have a 3.20 uh, ERA from the seventh inning on, and that's third best in the in the American League, which, which uh, you know, really says a lot about Trinan and Trevino and, you know, the, these guys who you, nobody ever heard of a year or two ago, and now they're suddenly the late inning guys for the A. And, and, and the last last stat that, uh, that I loved is the, uh, is the, um, the, the walks 
per nine innings, 2.78. That's the third fewest in the major leagues. And, and you know, Bob, every manager loves uh, no walks, no errors, no mental lapses. But, but, but you know, fewer than three walks per nine innings is, is, is pretty good stuff for a staff that has a rotation that has, has been hit and miss so far. Yeah, you make a lot of really good points there, John. I, I, too, worry about the bullpen, first of all, because they have been so overworked. It is extraordinary, the performances they sort of got out of nowhere. You know, Josh Lucas comes up 20 minutes before, you know, rise 20 minutes before game time, winds up in the game in the second inning, and uh, is just fantastic. Pitches a career high in innings. Uh, just absolutely uh, marvelous. Santiago Casilla did some really nice work coming in early in relief of Andrew Triggs. Um, but yeah, if, if, if Triggs, Brett Anderson are out for a while, um, you know, we know what Graveman and Gossett are, are certainly promising and capable. And, uh, if they kind of get, uh, things together, the A's might have a, the makings of a good rotation. I've kind of got to think if the A's somehow are sticking around in July, that the they, front office really has to take a look at, you know, not maybe getting like a superstar. I don't think they would be, you know, entering the the bidding for uh, an all-star type starter, but maybe somebody, you know, a, a sort of a three or four, somebody like that. Um, I think they just need a little bit of extra help in that rotation. I can't imagine we're going to see Jesus Lizardo, uh, certainly not until September. That would be just too much of a rush. People ask about him all the time. There's mm-hmm. not a lot. When you look at the the 40 man, I think Frankie Montas uh, looks like he might be better suited to um, relief but uh, has been pitching well at Nashville. James Nail has been pitching well at Nashville, but he's not on the 40-man. So, um, you know, they don't want to burn out that bullpen. It's been so good. And Blake Trinan, I'm so glad you mentioned him. I've got a story in the Chronicle this week. Uh, Man, the the sinker he's throwing is just so nasty. Uh, Numerous people, when I was working on the story, described it to me as a left-handed slider. So it's it's coming in, and it's it's not just sinking; it's breaking in on the hands of right-handed hitters, which makes it impossible. Uh, I talked to Josh Donaldson in Toronto, and he said, man, whoever fixed Blake Trinan deserves a raise. And the person that did it was Blake Trinan, so, and he will get a raise <laughs> yeah. along with that. But, yeah, he's just – you look at some of the more advanced numbers. Uh, Fangraphs has, um, keeps track of swings outside the strike zone. And he le- he's, leads all of the American League starters and relievers in most the, the highest percentage of pitches that opponents are swinging at outside the zone. Forty four point four percent of his pitches. Uh, that's that's extraordinary. That is an awful lot of really really bad contact, which of course is what you want. So uh, that bullpen's great and great. Um, they might need to get a little extra help in the rotation. And, and Chris Davis, that is a concern too. Uh, you know they've got bats, but if they bring up Barreto, um, you know, do they bounce around the DH spot between different peak guys? Do they stick Jed yeah, Lowry there for a while? What, what, what do you think they would do with the DH? Because Bob Melvin. For years, is kind of mixed and matched yeah. with his with his you know giving guys rest to become a DH. But Chris Davis is really you know one of the few full time DHs since since Frank Thomas on this team. Yeah, I suspect that they will bounce a DH around um, if Davis misses misses much time, just because you know 
you don't want to have Jed Lowry's been doing so well. You don't want to just stick him in the DH role. He's the obvious guy, mostly because mm. Barreto can come up and play second. Uh, so I, I don't think you want to mess with Jed too much. He, he doesn't, he's not going to want a full-time DH. And, uh, you know, when Bredo's come up, he's done well here and there, but he has yet to really establish himself. And you know, when the A's do bring him up for real, they'd want to have him play every day. So he's come up a few times and mostly sat. I would, I would think that that might be what we're looking at again. Of course, these things are all going to be decided very soon, potentially even before this podcast is up, but it's been, it's interesting <laughs> stuff to consider. So, um, uh, the main thing is the A's are going to need to get Chris Davis back pronto. Uh, as Matt Chapman said, it, it was just really starting to look like Chris Chris Davis was picking up the pace, you know, really starting to warm up. And when he gets hot, he can carry a team for a while, but he's going to have to, you know, go through rehab and maybe play in a you know, rehab game or two. So it could be a little bit of uh, it could be a while before the A's get their their big slugger back. Well, am I alone in saying Jed Lowry is better defensively this year uh, in making all the routine plays and turning the double play? Because, you know, I, I wouldn't want to see him be the DH. I, I would yeah. rather see him playing second base I'm every day, Re- remaining in that rhythm as a second baseman, as an everyday player who actually uses his glove. Because, I I mean, you know, he's not a gold glover, certainly. He's... He's, he's not, you know, one of the top five defenders at second base at his, you know, in the league or in the majors or anything like that. But but I, I've seen him make plays this year that maybe I didn't see him make two, three years ago with, with Oakland. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was much better last year and the numbers supported that. And I think he might be even a little bit better this year. Uh, I think we've talked a little bit before. He looks faster this year. You know, he does a lot yeah. of kind of yeah. speed workouts on the treadmill, which which sounds funny because you certainly don't think of him as a fast player. But I think he's got a little bit of a quicker step defensively. And I, I certainly think he's faster on the base pass. So, you know, we... we we might be looking at a couple really strong all-star candidates from the A's mm. if some of these guys keep this up. I'm going three or four or five. Yeah, it's hard to – how would you pick? You know, Dave, now if Davis misses significant time, that, that certainly affects him. But Jed Lowry absolutely has to be a strong consideration. Yeah. Uh, Blake Trinan has to be a very strong mm. consideration. If I'm an AL manager, you know, I certainly want him in that bullpen. Uh, Sean Manias, you know, his May, he's had a little bit of a dip in May, but mm-hmm. you know, for what he did in, in April, if he gets back even a little bit close to that, he's got to be a consideration and they've got some really, really nice pieces. And, you know, Matt Chapman's been erratic, but wow. I mean, we know he's going to be a star. He's not going to make the all-star team. Let's, let's get that clear, you know, based on sort of some of the funks he's been in and, but wow, he is just watching him. You know, he's a special player. And you know, you, Trinan, Lowry, Manaya, absolutely. You know, Davis, before he got hurt, I think, uh, you know, his war isn't big, his on base isn't big, his defense is is not there at all because he doesn't use a glove anymore for the most part. But the home runs are, are just you know, just a huge deal for you know in this day and age. Uh, a three run homer, two run homer. I thought he should have made the All Star game last year. Yep. Uh, Yonder Alonso was the only representative. And, you know, the A's for so many years, other than 14, when they had like seven guys plus Samarja, who they just got a, a few days earlier in a trade, uh, you know, they, they dominated the All-Star game in, in 14. But ever since and all the years before, 
it just seems like one guy, they, Justin Dukesher and all these, you know, whatever, uh, uh, Suzuki, just one guy a year. It just seems, oh, man. Yeah. You know, really? It would be a so, real shame so this year because this team is yeah, better. It, yeah. Yeah. If they hang around 500 or better, they, they got to have two or three guys. And, you, you know, mentioned China and Lowry and Benaya. But but um, but I think, you know, Chapman and Olsen are so streaky. Yeah. And, you know, so many guys miss the all-star games because of injuries or whatever. They always bow out. And it's, it's not just a 25 or 30 man roster. It's, it's almost like a 50 man <laughs> roster these days True. because so many guys bow out and they have to replace them. And, and guys like Olsen and Chapman, I mean, people around the country want to see these young guys in, in an all-star game, you know, uh, Chapman's arm and, uh, Olsen swing. And, you know, it's, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's just a, you know, different kind of, uh, you know, different kind of Oakland A's, you know, it's not the same old, same old. It's, it's the, you know, here, here we are, we're coming and, you know, look at us. And it'd be nice to see either one of those guys in there. And one guy we haven't talked about, I don't think he's an all-star candidate, but one guy who's made a world of difference for the A's this year, and now he's coming on strong hitting too, Jonathan Lucroy has been, my gosh, mm-hmm. was there a better, uh, off-season pickup uh, and <laughs> more of a steal to get that guy in the middle of spring training. Re- he's he's helped that pitching staff as much as anything. I mean, you can you can chalk up an awful lot of the success they've had to Lu- having Luke Roy behind the plate. Uh, and now he has been hitting after Jed Lowry. He has been their second best hitter in the month of May. So, uh, really fantastic pickup there. You got to wonder, do they think maybe about trying to work out a long-term deal with him? They, they've got Sean Murphy coming, but, you know, it's, uh, we, we always hear about catching prospects, catching prospects that don't, don't necessarily pan out. Jonathan Rukoy, to me, is, is certainly at least worth talking to on, on a long-term deal because he's, with, with, the, yeah. you know, the work he's done with that pitching staff, wow, really amazing. With, with the climate of, the, you know, the free agent market last winter, you know, absolutely. I mean, he had to settle for one year where he was thinking going in, hey, I'm going to get three, four year deal. This is going to be the last contract of my my career. And, you know, I'm going to be living large. But we all know what happened to the free agent market. And he kind of had to settle for what Oakland offered. And you're right. I mean, it, 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 he's hitting high 200, 280, 290 all year. I mean, he's been a savior for Manaya, I think. I mean, Absolutely. He's the guy who caught the no-hitter. Yeah. Uh, he, he's the guy who speaks highly of him. If not for Lucroy, I mean, Maxwell would have been the number one guy. And yeah. Is he a number one guy? I think you're you know, looking at a completely different season. No. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's a, a, a Lucroy may be the absolute key to this, this, this team this year. It mm-hmm. really is. Um, what he's done has been, on both sides, has been so impressive. So maybe you don't wait till the off season. Maybe Billy Bean, David Force get together and say, "Hey, how about how about three years and you know X million, and uh, you know forget about the you know going through that agony of free agency yeah. again. You know we love you here, and let's make this a long term commitment." Yeah, or two in a two in an option. Then you don't mm-hmm. have a whole lot of pressure coming up when Murphy does come up. You know he could get another mm-hmm. year in the minors next year, which would be great. Maybe come and work his way in, learn from one of the best in the business. Yeah, there's no uh, mistake in who Jonathan Lucroy learned from as a young catcher, Jason Kendall. That's one of the reasons he's, mm. uh, you know, the attention to detail and the preparation are so Jason prepared. Kendall, who went an entire season without swinging at the first pitch. Yeah. I, um. I recall that. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Kendall is also responsible for Kurt Suzuki being such a sure. fine major league catcher. So, um, you know, that's a that's pretty good uh, work he, he's done. 
Uh, now, we've, there's also been plenty of news on the national front, starting with, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, but we probably should talk a little bit more in depth, with Robinson Cano um, getting popped for um, performance-enhancing substance positive test uh, and gets to serve out the, the um, punishment while he's on the DL, which to me is unusual. I don't recall this happening before, uh, and I'm not quite sure what the thinking is. How much of if a guy's already going to miss, you know, four to six weeks or whatever, uh, and that counts towards a suspension, what's the point? You're right. I think that's wrong. Uh, it's in the CBA, however, and, you know, we all follow the CBA because it was collectively bargained, and it's an 80-game suspension, but he's going to miss most of that with a broken hand. So it's really, you know, if he's going to miss uh, six to eight weeks, that could be as many as 60 days that he would lose because of the injury. That means he's only serving like a 20-day suspension for, for the, the PED, and, you, know, uh, uh, you know, the drug bust. Uh, you know, I, I just think that's unfair you know, to the rest of baseball because it benefits the player and it benefits the team. And when you're suspended, it's supposed to dock the player and the team. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the big issue is he's not getting paid and that's 11, $12 million that he's not going to get, which is, you know, just about him, but for the, for the team and the league and the division, you would think, well, uh, okay, get healthy first. And then you, you add the 80 days so yeah. that, that he'd miss more of the rest of the season rather than coming back at the tail end. Because the A's, I mean, they're going places, perhaps. Uh, the Astros and the Angels dominating the division. The A's closing in on the Angels. Uh, Seattle was hoping to do what Oakland is doing now, and that's challenged these two top teams. But without Cano, uh, I mean, that's a different look. I mean, shoot, I, I love Cano. I, I mean, he makes... I do, too. He, he makes plays look so easy, more That's than any play, player I, I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. he, he, I mean, seemingly little effort from all over the infield. Those throws, it's like he's he he plays on a little league field where everybody else plays, you know, ninety foot bases, and and the game is so slow to him. I mean, everything else is fast paced, and he slows it down better than maybe any player I've seen. And you know, I, I was covering for you up in Seattle couple of weeks ago and you know three game series A's Mariners and I just couldn't take my eye off him between innings the way he just you know fielded fielded the ground balls between innings I thought that was highly entertaining and you know he's a fun player to watch but you know what it's it's all tainted now you yeah. know that it's a tainted career and his hall of fame aspirations might be down the toilet uh, you know unfortunately because that, that's just the way it is players who have been suspended have not gone to the hall of fame and that includes many uh, Ramirez, that includes Rafael Palmero, um, and that might include A-Rod, you know, who was suspended for a full year. No, no matter how good uh, he, he looks on TV and how well he's kind of reinventing his, his, his image and all that stuff, uh, you know, th- those guys just don't get in. But on the other hand, listen, he's, gonna, he's got another five years on his contract. And then there's a five-year waiting period. So it's another 10 years before he's on the ballot for the first time. And, you know, who, who knows? It could be a, an entire different climate by the Bonds and Clemens might be in by then. Who knows? So maybe the PED use uh, and, and the positive tests might not be 
you know, as significant as they are considered now. So who knows? But, you know, it's an unfortunate thing for Seattle because they've had such a long drought uh, of missing the playoffs. And, you know, you have to go back to Griffey and all. I mean, it's just forever. And Cano was kind of a savior up there. But now it's kind of all gone away. And, uh, you know, who knows how they're going to react to this uh, in the long term. But I think the A's might be the third best team in the division suddenly. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I'm like you. I I absolutely love Robinson Cano. He's also a fantastic guy to deal with. Um, You know, very sort of upfront, uh, very smart, uh, a a real gentleman. Um, So, you know, it's like everyone, when you like a player and something like this happens, you feel a little bit uh, betrayed, you know, a little let down. Uh, and uh, he said that, oh, it was prescribed for him by a doctor, but it's Lasix. And, I, I mean, I think anybody that follows horse racing knows Lasix is, is a banned substance in horse racing. Um, and it's uh, also in bicycle racing. It's it's a diuretic. And medically right. for humans, uh, it's typically prescribed for um, kidney disease and congestive heart failure, none of which there's any indication that um, Robinson Cano has. So uh, it's really... Uh, you know, guys always seem to have some excuse when they get popped. Very rarely does anybody say, yeah, I actually did it. But I can't imagine a scenario in which he's been prescribed Lasix for a legit reason. So uh, that's really, it's just disappointing. You know, it's really disappointing. And uh, I think it does potentially change the complexion of the division. But I absolutely think that Major League Baseball has to, in the next CBA, address this sort of loophole that a guy can serve out a suspension while he's uh, on the DL, and it's a bad look. I can't tell you the number of people who have asked me, fans, um, and even people in the game, a couple players, a couple scouts, who said, like, the timing of this seems a little weird, doesn't it? Like, he goes on the DL, and then shortly thereafter, suddenly he's been suspended? Like, how does that work? You know, were they waiting for some sort of... And just putting that, you know, that you put that in somebody's mind... Even if there's absolutely nothing nefarious to this, and I, I don't, I don't think that there is, but it's a bad look, and that's another reason why to to make sure that you know a guy's got to be healthy and playing to be suspended. He got hurt, and then a couple of days later, suddenly no appeal. Yeah, I mean, you you, you take this uh, diuretic to supplement a PED. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's something you take to, you know, to supplement the B. So it's uh, the uh, testers, obviously the third party. And, you know, I, I guess I got to tip my cap to major league baseball because at the beginning I was so skeptical of this. Um, you know, the, 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 the penalties were so lightweight, you know, 10 games and, or, you know, a little financial fine. I mean, it's, it's like, come on, you're not even trying. You're not, but, but, you know, over time, it's become, you know, a significant, I mean, they, you know, they got, they, they you know, Palmero, you know, went with a 500 home run club and, uh, you know, 3000 hit club and, and, you know, all these things, you know, just select company, you know, he, they banned him and, and now they're banning Cano and, you know, Manny, you know, all, all these superstar players. So it's not as if they're just getting rid of, you know, the marginal player, the utility infielder that, you know, early on you you wondered, well, you know, what about the big, well, you know, they did go after the big timer and, and major league baseball didn't hide the fact that Robinson Cano cheated the game. So, you know, they didn't just, uh, you know, dust it under the rug 
and say, you know, let, let's let's go after you know smaller players. This is a big time player. I mean, a huge contract. Uh, you know, franchise player. You know, big time Yankee. Uh, and, and you know, the the, the thing. Is, speaking about the Yankees. You know, Melky Cabrera and Alex Rodriguez were like his two best friends with the Yankees. And they got busted for drugs. They served suspensions. They were tainted. They, you know, embarrassment to their legacy. And what did what did Cano do? He didn't learn. You yeah. know, he did not learn from what his two best friends went through. And that's a shame. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, we've we've spent so much time over the years talking about this topic, John, since we're both Hall of Fame voters. Uh, and it's it's a thorny one, uh, one that I think almost everyone wishes just you know some that there was some easy resolution to it, uh, or that it had never happened. But uh, we constantly seem to be wrestling with it. And you're right, not everybody seems to be learning from from the past. Um, sure, there's some incentives to cheat. You know, a lot of those guys cheated, came back, signed contracts, and and did very well. You know, that's the thing. Teams are still signing guys who have a steroid past, uh, and I think though that would be the one thing. You know, if there was a one strike and you're out policy, or if teams just said like, you know what, I'm going to stay away from the steroid guys, I think that's when you would see a change. So, well, we we will table our um, planned discussion on sports betting and baseball yet another week because I, I think we've probably come to the end of our time. But John Shea, as always, an absolute delight to talk to you, and we will check in with you again next week. Well, a lot of fun. We'll finally see the A's at home for a little spell here. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Thank you, John. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is The Third by Anatech, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, you can follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.